This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Good morning, Equalizer Extra subscribers. It's time for another episode of the Equalizer Podcast. Welcome to episode 61 of the Equalizer podcast. I'm Chelsea Bush. I have Claire Watkins with me. And later on, we'll hear, or he, we'll hear if I can talk and get to it, <laughs> we'll hear from John Halloran. But first, Claire, there was a game. There was. A whole 90 minutes of soccer. A whole 90 minutes of U.S. versus Mexico soccer. Uh-huh. Uh, U.S. won 3-0 with goals from Tobin Heath, Mallory Pugh, and Kristen Press. And... Yeah, things happened. Yeah, I it, guess. It definitely felt it felt very much like a World Cup send-off game. You know, it's the last one before they head over to France. Um definitely kind of felt like it was primarily just there for the fan experience, for the fans at home to send the team off with good vibes. Um I, I, I tweeted this. I wonder when they scheduled this game originally if they didn't think that Mexico would also be going to the World Cup. Or if they thought that Mexico would present maybe a stronger roster than they ended up doing. Um, Mexico didn't call up certain players that are playing with larger clubs. Like, for example, the Mexico players that play in the NWSL uh, stayed with their club teams for the series of friendlies. And I think we saw that today from what we saw from Mexico. It seemed like a very young team. Yeah, well, with the exception of Ari Romero. Right. Um, yes, she, yes, she did. She did make the trip after the uh, their game last Sunday. Yeah, but they Houston also uh, had a bye week this week, so that kind of yeah, worked that, out in her favor. Sure. Um, yeah, it, it it was definitely a slower game, and I think that was it was very hot there, and they were obviously trying not to, to get injured, just kind of make it through, though I think, what, four times a player went? down just for minor injuries and we all kind of just held our breath because I mean that's the thing right you want to get these these games in you want to build up your confidence you want everyone to be ready to go and in shape but you also don't want to get injured so I think that's like especially in the second half I think it really slowed down I think you could you could just see that in their minds like let's just get through this 45 90 minutes whenever yeah and and get on the plane sure even when Kelly O'Hara went down in the second half Julie Ertz went down in the second half and I think in a competitive game, they wouldn't have been, they were just very, they were definitely making sure they were okay before they got back up again, really kind of checking in to make sure that it wasn't serious. And of note, this was the second of the spinoff games that featured Julie Ertz's blood (laughs) and some gauze. Her poor face. (laughs) She's really taking V. And part of that's just the position she plays, whether at center back or at defensive mid, you know, she, 
and the way she plays, she just, she goes all in. And if that means sacrificing her face, she's going to do it. No questions asked. But yeah, it wasn't quite as bad as last time. I think it actually, the guys actually worked this time, but good grief. Yeah, she, she definitely, you're right. The way that she goes into tackles and the way that, you know, she does her job in that midfield does put her body on the line quite a bit. And probably in a weird way, maybe it's better to have face issues than have it be something that's going to linger in a different part of her body. But yeah, it'd be really great if we could get through a match without Julie Ertz uh, bleeding. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And to to go to your point about it just being her face and not some other, you know, Tiana Davidson didn't play this game because she was just cleared off concussion protocol. She is, you know, according to the broadcast is back training with the team, but that's something that you know, if you get a concussion in this match, this could roll you out for the World Cup. So yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, they're going to take, you know, split lips and bloody noses every day of the week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, so I have to ask you. Yeah, go ahead. Oh. No, go ahead. Okay. Um, Tobin Heath at left back. Yes, it happened. Is, we saw it. thing we saw. It yeah. did. Uh, okay, here's my thought about Tobin Heath at left back. Here's what I think is happening. I think when we see the U.S.'s subs, they're so deep in their front line and in their midfield. And I think that's where Jill Ellis prefers to make those subs with fresh legs to get Kristen Press on the field or Lindsay Horan in this game. Um, So that means that she's going to pull one of her top players back. And she has decided that that player is Tobin Heath. (laughs) So, which I don't fully understand other than Tobin Heath is maybe one of the more naturally all-around gifted players on the team. And she's smart out there. She's not going to make uh, stupid mistakes. So in a way, I understand it. I also think it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of have to, to disagree with you in, in some way. Um, I do know Tobin Heath is a highly intelligent soccer player, but I also think that when she's defending, has a tendency to make some reckless tackles. Sure. And that's something that could set up the u.s in a, to be in a very bad position i.e u.s versus columbia in the olympics right um, yeah so i get I, I agree with what i exactly with what ellis is trying to do when she does that um and if it's gonna if say your top three is rapino morgan heath heath probably makes the most sense but it's just i don't know it just seems like a bizarre it's just a way of her like shoehorning as much as her preferred players on the field as she can and right. a position and formation I think becomes secondary definitely I would, I would much rather prefer if she's at that point needs to make some sort of change like that I much prefer the what we saw at the end of the first half where she kind of moved on into the midfield and came, became more of like a 3-4-3 three, three. right that's this that is the situational shift that makes much more sense to me rather than I that, that's right in that I understand, like, roster-wise, why the Tobin Heath move gets made. I can't imagine the scenario where that makes the U.S. better or more dangerous. Well, particularly, you know, when you consider how vulnerable they can be to the counter and you're putting someone back in defense who's not a defender. I mean, that's just... And I know it was playing very, very high, and part of that is, is the team you're playing. You know, we saw that Mexico wasn't even trying to play on the counter. They were very obviously slowing things down when they got in the attack that was a deliberate move but she was playing very very high and one of the times when they, they could have had something done I think um trying to remember who it was ultimately that just whiffed her shot in the box was it Palacios maybe yeah I think so 
Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. That was on the left side, and Heath was nowhere to be found because she was up to pitch, and that's, again, a reflection of what she's being told to do and then a reflection of uh, the lack of a threat that Mexico is proving up top. But it just seems like you're playing with fire to me, and I don't think you're you're going to get the best out of Tobin Heath, and I think it's just kind of a a waste. If if you feel if, – if Jill Ellis feels like she's got to get Lloyd or Press or Pew or someone on the field, then you've got to make the sacrifice that somebody's got to come off. And I, I don't think that – one of those should be your defender. It needs to be closer to a like for like, at least an attacker for an attacker, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I also just think Tobin Heath's not doing anybody any good back there. She's not doing what she does well. And so it's it's basically like you might as well just sub Tobin Heath off. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's it's not a coincidence that Tobin Heath's best and most consistent years have come in the last you know, three or so when they have moved to more of a four or three, three, and she's playing a wide forward versus the majority of her career up to, up to then when she was playing wide mid and a four, four, two, like mm-hmm. this just brings out her, her attributes better. So you're, you're taking her away from goal and you're just, you're removing what makes Tobin Heath, Tobin Heath. I mean, if she attempts a nutmeg or a back killer or some of the things that she does when she's in the opponent's uh, defensive third, not a big deal if, if it goes wrong. Right. If she tries to do that because she's Tobin Heath and that's the way she plays in our defensive third, then you could have an issue. I, I think she's smart enough not to do that, but you're also asking her to override all of her instincts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, flip side, though, a couple of things that I thought were good in this game. Um, obviously, everyone was very happy to see Sam Mewis get the start, though I think that was just more of a workload thing for Lindsay Horan. Um Still think it's interesting that Jill has really settled on Rose Lavelle as her third midfielder. Uh, I thought Lavelle had a great game, um, really trying to make things happen up up, up top, and, and I thought that her touch looked really sharp. The finishing the finishing was, was kind of poor, but that wasn't really on her. The other thing that I like is um, I like that we've settled into Mallory Pugh as an attacking sub rather than trying to shoehorn her into that midfield. Oh, 100% on that. I, I did not like her in the midfield. I think she's best as a wide forward. I think she's best at this moment in her career as a sub. She can come on her pace, can run pretty much anyone down. And I, I just think that she's most suited to seeing out a game that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why we're seeing her get some goals. Because it, it is that idea of I think she's perfect when fresh legs, running against attackers, she's not being asked to be more technical than she is right now. Um, it really plays to her strengths, um, and I think we saw that obviously in the second second goal that the U.S. scored, um, which you had Carly Lloyd really gunning for one, um, and she was able to drop it off for Pew, who was making that run when she needed to, and kind of shoved it in there. Um, yeah, and do you know what was my favorite thing about that goal sequence? To be honest, was that Kelly O'Hara was right on Mal Pew's mm-hmm. feet, so if she didn't get it. Kelly O'Hara was going to do it. That's what we need to do to find success. You've got to put numbers in the box. You've got to bombard. You've got to make those late runs. I thought they did that um, in certain – it kind of came and went, but I thought they did that pretty well in this match. I thought so too. I mean, I think – and it improved as the game went on. I think if we talk about the story of the first half, um, obviously the U.S. was gifted a goal by, you know, a a miscommunication in the Mexico back line – um, they had a lot of opportunities, really couldn't finish. The finishing was pretty poor. Had a couple, I think, go out for throw-ins. Um, and it, um, I, thought that was, I thought that was interesting, and, and I want to ask you about this. Alex Morgan, 
didn't have a great game. And she definitely seems like she's healthy going into this World Cup. And she's been playing pretty well in the U.S. friendlies. But she's been having a tough year with her club. I kind of wonder, it feels like Heath is very informed. Rapino is still kind of coming off that injury that sidelined her for the beginning of the NWSL season. I think Alex Morgan's going to find it again, but she's a little bit of a question mark for me right now. Yeah, uh, I think that she did not have a great, not have a great game. Did not have a great series, to be honest. The yeah. send-off series was not, and it's not just because she's not scoring. She's just not getting many touches on the ball, regardless. She's not, you know, they're asking her to play a more of a hold-up role, be that target forward, back to goal, pass it off for those players making those wide diagonal runs into the box. And I get that. You're not going to get as many goals that way. Um, and it's not necessarily Alex Morgan's... I mean, she's she's gotten a lot better at it. She's improved. But if I'm going to have Alex Morgan, I want her running out of defense. Mm-hmm. So, so that's part of it. But you also saw a moment where... I think it was in the first half. She, yeah, she would have put. She should have put that away. Right. She pivoted. She got. She got the ball on her left foot. Nine times out of ten, Alex Morgan puts that away. I think once she gets one, then they're going to come. But I have to wonder if some of this isn't kind of creeping into her head. She hasn't scored. She hasn't played well for Orlando. She hasn't scored in the send-off series for the U.S. Um, and I, she she has to feel a little bit of that pressure. You know, she uh, she didn't was in a completely different situation going into the last world cup. Like this time it is like, it is on her. Like she is, she is that focus. She is that target forward. So I, I think it's problematic. I don't think it's like, Oh, we should bench her for Kristen Presser no, at this right. point. Yeah. I, I think both of those are, are doing better as substitutes, yes. but yeah, it's, it's a little bit concerning. Yeah. And, and it definitely does kind of, the, the thing in the back of my mind is I, I think this is true vice versa as well. I think we're still just seeing the players who are playing really well for their clubs playing well for the U.S. right now. I think Crystal Dunn had a great game. Tobin Heath is playing really well. Um, Sam Mewis is, you know, playing incredibly well. I think that those storylines going in are not, it's not maybe the main factor, obviously, in in how the team's going to play, but I do think that um, the form the players who have found success with their clubs most recently, or even Julie Ertz, she had that beautiful pass to press at the end of the game to get that third goal. That's some of the stuff she's been doing with Chicago the last couple of weeks and, or, you know, before she left for camp and getting comfortable in those scenarios back home before bringing it to the stage, I think is going to be really important for them. Yeah, I think you're right. I think form, no matter what jerseys on your, on your shirt, on your chest is it, that's, what's important right now. And that's what's playing into how they're playing for the U S but I want to ask you to about what didn't happen. And mm. that's the fact that through these three games, we didn't see Jess McDonald or Morgan Bryan. Yeah. I also didn't see uh, Ashlyn Harris or um, Adriana French, but that's to be expected. I mean, do you, I would have liked to see Brian and McDonald play. I would like to see everybody play just to make sure everyone's, um, in tune, but were you surprised that neither of those played at all? A little bit. In the same way that, like you said, you just want to get everyone to run out. You don't want anyone to... I mean, Morgan Bryan is going to be going to France without having featured for the U.S. in a long time. Um, and I guess maybe... I did have this thought watching this game and, and watching the New Zealand game or the South Africa game, which is I think they aren't playing because they don't, the U S doesn't need them. 
in those scenarios. Um, but that's also why I don't understand why we're doing the Tobin Heath at left back experiment instead of the we need Jess McDonald to, you know, pound in a goal experiment. You know what I mean? Like, I think that you would want to try that out instead. Yeah, well, and here's here's my thing. If if we don't need those players, because, you know, there are 23 players, you don't need 23 players to win a World Cup, honestly. Um, if we don't need those players, then why are those two particular players on this roster? And then I'll kind of explain. Um, this is Jess McDonald's one and only World Cup. Right. Like we can we can oh, agree yeah. on that. She's at an yeah. age and a point in her career. She's just not going to be at that level four years from now. OK, Morgan Bryan has been in and out of the U.S., has been dealing with injuries for years. She very obviously is not, you know, anywhere near the end of her career. But if you're going to take an older player and you're going to take a player who's still working her way back to full fitness, you would think those two players are going to be ones that you need, like like. Megan Rapinoe in the Olympics, like Jill Ellis decided that she needed that player regardless of her fitness. Still disagree with that, but whatever. So why, if if those, if you don't need those players, why not bring along an Andy Sullivan or an Emily Fox as someone who is not ready for this World Cup, but could use that experience to, at the next World Cup, when so many of these players are not going to be there? Because I look at Australia, or, or Canada in particular, those two, where they've, you know, you've got 24-year-olds going into their third World Cup. Yeah. Like, they, they started at such a young age, and now they're building on that experience as they're going to their prime. And you can do that on 23-person roster. So if these are not players that you've identified that you need to see at all, why are they there? Yeah, that's a great question. I would, I mean, I think maybe the answer is, and I, I personally think that you're right, but um, I think Ellis has been pretty clear in her messaging, which is just, it's her job to win now. And this was kind of her thing in 2015, too, where she carried a lot of veterans who were not going to see a lot of time, and then they all promptly retired after the tournament was over. Um, She thinks that that mix, both on and off the field, locker room, you know, relationships, all of that sort of thing, is what's going to win the team the tournament this year. And I don't think that she's thinking ahead. Probably too, because this is likely Ellis's last cycle as well. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's a point. I would, I would grant you know one or two players places based on that, based on that locker room presence, because experience and, and veterans do bring something that nobody else has. But I guess I'm just looking at it a little bit more bigger picture. But sure. then again, that's my job versus Ellis's job. Right. So. Yeah. Well, and the thing is too is uh, if they don't win which is a very still, obviously they have a good shot, but a very difficult thing to do, especially two tournaments in a row. If they don't win, then Ellis failed in her one job and then has to regroup without having set the stages for the future. Yeah, and I also think if they don't win, it's not going to be because Jess McDonald and Morgan Bryan are on on this roster or not. Right, and that's, that's the other thing too. The one thing I will say, though, is we were all reminded this week how quickly you can fall down a goalkeeping depth chart with with what happened to the rain um where they picked up Casey Murphy and we were all like oh that's you know an embarrassment of riches and then suddenly they desperately need her um the goalkeeping depth issue is a problem because you can there is a scenario injuries do happen and they're weird and they can be severe 
you're suddenly at your third keeper option and she has no experience. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I do think the goalkeeper situation is, you know, if nothing, if everything goes well, nothing happens to Nair, we're not going to really talk about it. If something, I mean, that is something that could sink or swim a World Cup. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So. And, and, and it, I had this thought today, too, with Kelly O'Hara, where it really seemed like Jill Ellis's plan was that Kelly O'Hara wasn't going to stay hurt. <laughs> that was her backup plan. <laughs> um, and it's working out so far. And it's you're right. It's another thing where if, if, it's all, if it's all fine, if Kelly O'Hara is fine and ready to go and playing well, wonderful. But there's really no great backup plan there. Yeah. And on that note, I do want to say that Kelly O'Hara did play all 90 minutes, she which... Did. Um, was the first time in, in quite a while. So that was really good to see. And and I think a little bit more than they were hoping for uh, based on some comments when the roster was released. I think they were not thinking she'd be ready for 90 this soon. So it's a very good sign. Yeah, absolutely. It's de- They desperately need her. Yes, she, she changes it when she's there versus when she's not. So, uh, Claire, any last thoughts on this before we, we find out what John has to say? Um, I think they look good. I think they look fine. I've been actually doing some tape watching on some of the other top teams this week and I think that they are really in line with their competition and uh also world cups are chaos and we'll see kind of what the universe has in store but I think they look fine I think a 3-0 win uh no injuries is fantastic yeah it's all good world cups are chaos I think that is the <laughs> best thing you could have said so we will next time we talk about the U.S. they'll be in France so Anyway, uh, this has been Chelsea Claire. Up next, we'll have John and see what all he has to say about the U.S. Before we head over to what John has to say about the match, I want to step right in and uh, give us our sports reference stat of the week. This one is uh, U.S. Women's National Team related. It refers to if Alyssa Nair does start in goal on June 11th uh, to open the U.S. Women's National Team World Cup 2019 campaign, she will be the seventh woman, only the seventh, to appear as goalkeeper for the U.S. Women's National Team at a World Cup or an Olympics. The other six are... Mary Harvey, Brianna Scurry, Siri Mullinix, Hope Solo, Saskia Weber, and, yes, Mia Hamm. Hamm made a brief cameo against Denmark at the 1995 World Cup after Scurry came out of her 18 to punt the ball and was subsequently shown a red card. The U.S. were out of subs at that point, so Ham took over at the end of stoppage time to step in as a field player. Uh, Weber then made her only appearance in the next match, a 4-1 win over Australia. That is our sports reference stat of the week. Uh, That comes from fbref.com. If you're looking for more women's soccer stats, um, the place to go is fbref.com. You can check out the stats for yourself or sign up for their newsletter. Um, They are trying to make a footprint in the women's soccer stats realm, and they are a great resource, so check them out. All 
right, Claire Watkins here with our second segment of episode 61 of the Equalizer podcast. I'm here at SeatGeek Stadium before the Chicago Red Stars take on the Washington Spirit, but we're still here to talk about the big USA win today, uh, 3-0 win, John Halloran. What are your thoughts on the match overall to start? I don't think it was a particularly good match or a particularly fun one to watch, um, but I really don't think that that matters. I think uh, assuming everybody's healthy, I know a couple of people got nicked and came off, but it seems like everybody's good, um, and they're not really going to face a tough test in their first two World Cup games against Thailand and Chile, or at least shouldn't. So I think uh, just getting on the plane and uh, focusing on what's next next is most important at this point. It definitely seemed like of the mission going in, it looked like they were trying pretty hard to get Alex Morgan a goal before she left to think that maybe they're a little bit concerned about that becoming a mental block. Um, and then we also saw Tobin Heath that left back. Uh, any thoughts about that formation change? Uh, I, I would not have done that. Um, you know what was interesting about Tobin's game? She has the game-winning goal, but I don't think she played particularly well. Um, and, and obviously that's uncharacteristic for her, but her services were off. She had a couple times where she could have shot the ball and tried to cut people back. There were a couple times she shot the ball and missed the, I mean, not just missed the frame, but there was one or two she almost put out of bounds. Um, so I'm not really sure, you know, if what was up. If uh, Again, I, I don't think a lot of the players played particularly well, but um, her and, as you mentioned, Morgan, Morgan had at least two chances. She had the, Dunn had served the ball across the face of the goal, and I think she whiffed on it. And then she had the breakaway. Um, she wasn't able to put any of those in. And then Lloyd, of course, comes in in the second half and creates a goal and could have had two of her own. The one got cleared off the line and the other one she was rightly offsides. Um, but Lloyd's pushing Morgan right now at that number nine position. And that's probably not something that a lot of fans want to talk about or think about. But um, just looking at the stat line over the last four games, Lloyd is in better form than Alex Morgan right now. I Yeah, I think you're probably right. The question is probably, like you said, Thailand and Chile are not going to be stiff tests. I'm sure the U.S. is going to give Morgan time in those games. Those are basically warm-up games themselves, so I would think that they're going to keep trying to work through that. They love their top three of Rapino, Heath, and Morgan. How did you think Rapino looked today? She's been working back into fitness. What did you think that you saw? I couldn't tell. It seemed like she her movement was good. She wasn't on the ball a ton. Um, so I think that's another interesting thing to look at because I think we have in our minds what Megan Rapino looked like at the beginning of 2019, at the end of 2018, but we haven't actually seen her after she had that ankle issue. I thought she had a good game. I thought it was really understated, though. Um, she is the one who put the ball in on Morgan's breakaway. I thought her service from the flank was, was pretty solid, even though I don't think it, you know, she ended up on the, on the assist line at all. Um, so, and, and I think she may have been the one that put Dunn in on the one where Dunn uh, got fouled and, and there was a yellow card too. So I thought Pino had a pretty good game. Um, she worked back defensively and started some attacks too, which was good. Um, again, you know, much like Heath, it's not one of those ones that you're going to remember, but um, I thought uh, Pino had a good game overall. Uh, we also saw Sam Mewis starting in midfield again, though you know the U.S. was pretty clear in saying that that's managing Haran's workload, but Mewis stayed on in the second half even after they made some other subs. Um, and they did say that Crystal Dunn was an unplanned sub. She had been dealing with some stiffness in her ankle, so that kind of predicated the whole Tobin Heath to left back thing because they didn't plan on using that sub on her. Um, but I also think that it seems like, if we're talking about our top 11, Rose Lavelle is starting, which is 
she, you know, obviously Lavelle was part of the midfield experience, experiment with Mallory Pugh. That has been shifted into Mallory Pugh becoming offensive depth. But Lavelle, she's, she's someone that I think Ellis is going to count on to create. And I thought she did pretty well today. She did. She had a couple of really nice moments. She had twice where she spun out of two, two defenders to create. Um, and I, I don't know if a lot of people noticed it, but she took a pass. I don't even know if it was intended to her, if it was just a really bad pass, but she took it out of the air with the outside of her boot. With her back heel, yeah. Spun around uh-huh. and then fed Heath in on goal, um, which was a really remarkable play. I think um, Lavelle can be a huge contributor for the U.S. She's obviously kind of that lock picker, number 10, that, that they need. Um, I think Mewis can play that role too, so I don't think that that they're without another player like that, and I think Mewis might be a better choice against France or a Germany or an Australia, um, but I think Lavelle will be really, really important, especially in those first two games, just making sure the U.S. can get on the board, get on the board early. Um, and then I think she's great against teams. Uh, if anybody chooses to bunker like Sweden did in 2016, I really think that when Ellis looks at Lavelle, it's the anti-2016. It's the, I'm going to use this player to break a team down. And I think we can probably agree that the third goal was probably the nicest of the three. We had Julie Ertz pushing forward with a really nice ball into Kristen Press, who turned around, I think, two or three defenders and slipped that ball in on goal. Um, Those are obviously two players that you know really well. Um, I thought particularly what Ertz was able to do with ball movement was indicative of what we've seen her do with Chicago Um, this season even in particular she is comfortable I think Ellis has said likes her pushing forward which does cause some problems probably against a team um, that's looking to counter Mexico wasn't but it does show kind of what she can do when paired with press who came in as as a sub in the second half yeah, um, I've said for a long time that I think Ertz is, is really kind of the linchpin of the midfield uh, in that number six position. Oddly enough, she was pushed into the back line again today, which I really don't understand for a couple of reasons, one of which is that the U.S. doesn't really have a backup as the six. So either sub her off the field and just play somebody else there because you're heading to France and you don't want her to get hurt because she's getting her face smashed in every game, or you, you know, don't put her in the back line or just leave her at the number six. Um, I, I really don't quite understand that. Um, and then I'm not sure how at that, in that play she was up so high, because that was the 88th minute, and she was all the way up by the 18. So I can't remember if they had made one more sub and pushed her back into the midfield or, or if that was on a set. I don't know why she was that that far up the field but yeah I think at that point they were just they were so not concerned with a counter from Mexico that I just think a lot of numbers were pushing forward which also makes sense with the move for Heath because she's obviously not the strongest defender that they have um question about the Tobin Heath thing though why not just go to a three back or why not play Allie Krieger uh, you know <laughs> I, I, I don't know why is Casey Short not on the roster I think I think these are valid questions um it it bothered me, it gave me pause that when Ellis was asked after the roster was announced, who is your depth at left back? And she said, Kelly O'Hara, who is your starting right back? Um, and then you see a situation like today where Tobin Heath is the left back. So I, I guess the backups to Dunn are the starting right back and the starting left winger, which is not an ideal situation um i heard uh, from somebody that davidson was under a concussion protocol right, but she apparently just cleared i don't i don't remember seeing um or w- when that happened i don't remember when she took a knock yeah i wonder if it was in practice maybe 
Um, but I think she is probably technically the second left back, um, which, again, I don't love. I think she's a better center back. But we've seen her play left back here in Chicago, and uh, she's obviously played left back for the U.S. as well. For me, um, I've spent some of this week watching some of the other primarily European teams. Um, I watched a little bit of France versus Thailand, and Thailand was executing a bunker quite well, actually. But France is so fast on the wings that I think that if they match up against the U.S., they're playing a very dangerous game on the counter on the wings, putting, I mean, they're just putting the wingbacks out, but that's the plan, and I guess they're just going to try to outscore them. Uh, any final thoughts about the U.S.? I thought they looked fine. I thought, you know, it was a send-off game. As we all recall, the send-off game in 2015 was terrible, 0-0 draw. Um, so it's not a lot to say. A lot of people came out. They had over 25,000 fans. They were loud. They were excited. It seemed like at least when it comes to the fans at home, just a great kind of send-off to send them overseas. I think we should credit Santiago, too, in, in mm-hmm. Mexico's goal for having a good game because, yeah. um, you, you know, you're right. The U.S. did create a lot of chances. They just took them all either really terribly or Santiago. Santiago made two saves in a three-minute span against Crystal Dunn. Both of those could have been goals very easily. Santiago stopped Morgan's breakaway. Um, she had a, a stop on uh, Lavelle from distance. So, you know, we should credit her as well for, for keeping a few balls out of the net that might have gone in against somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, John. Uh, this has been Episode 61 of the Equalizer Podcast. We will be back with NWSL action next week. Get it live. Thank you for listening to the Equalizer podcast. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts and do not necessarily represent those of Equalizer Soccer. We thank you for listening and hope to see you next time. For the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com/safety or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.